0: and welcome to Stay Sure Jason to podcast at the intersection of analogue and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, and joined by my friend and co-host, Mr. Stuart
1: Lennon.
0: Hey, Stu, how are you doing today?
1: Wow, well, I'm, I'm still um, bathing in the glory of that introduction. Thank you very much, Justin. I'm in fine form. How are you? I, I think I sound like one of the
0: Muppet guys, but, you know, that's okay.
1: Well, I mean, we, life goals, Justin, life goals.
0: There we go. Uh, I've got about as much hair as a Muffet guy, but that's a whole different story.
1: <laughs> oh, it's been a rough week, Stu. Rough week.
0: Oh. Opening back up has consequences. Wait, well... How's life in Cyprus?
1: Wait, wait, no, no, hang on. You need to give us a consequence. What's what's this all about? Uh, well, well, we'll talk about it a little bit during the show, I think. But
0: we had to go out a couple of times this week. One was a social gathering. I haven't had one of those in a long time. Well, this one was overdue by about 15 years, but I met my sister and her husband for the first time in a long time, which was very, very nice, but certainly screwed up my entire production calendar because uh, that was when I would normally be editing a podcast. We had professionals, professionals to come and do things around the house. Oh, your idea of throwing money at problems to make them go away seems very, very stress free, but does take time. And then my wife had to have her car in for service, and that's a ways away, so the two of us went in separate cars so that I could pick her up at the dealership, which is out in the middle of nowhere, and we went for lunch, and all of those things don't sound too bad on their own, but oh my goodness, they took a lot of time,
1: and my week has just been scrambling because of those. <laughs> it's bizarre, isn't it? We've such parallels, we're so far apart. Mm-hmm. Let me me hit you with a couple of counters to that one. We uh, are planning a weekend away next week um, because it's our wedding anniversary. Oh, very nice. So uh, we're going to go to the sort of far west of Cyprus, which is much less built up. Uh, And we're going to go and stay in a little place there and just, you know, just hang out, chill, have a couple of nice meals and then come home. So that has consequences insofar as we need to put the dogs into... Well, I suppose doggy daycare or doggy nightcare, doggy hotels even.
0: Or doggy prison, if uh, Charlie gets into the back corner again. Well,
1: there's a new doggy hotel in town. Um, it's not in town, in fact. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's probably near your car dealership. <laughs> and it's, what's it called? Is it, is it called Pooch's Palace? It might be. I'm not sure. But they insist on meeting any dog before they will board that dog ah, and they will they will offer you a free night or you can just take the dog there for a sort of play date mm. so we took the second option and we took our two into the car uh, up a mountain road uh, it's ooh, i mean cyprus is quite a small place but this is over an hour uh from here oh wow uh, and we dropped them both off and then we went for a lovely lunch at a fantastic place i mean you know it's a real pleasure And I think perhaps one of the the small silver linings of COVID has been, all of those things have been off the table. And so we've not really thought about them. So we've had this luxury of extra time. Because taking my dogs to doggy daycare, going for a really nice lunch with my wife, pretty much took out a day. Which is fine. That's a great way to spend a day. Unless that day is normally spent doing something else. And suddenly you have, as you say, you have these consequences of, oh, all those things need to move to somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Likewise, friends of ours have got their family staying. So their daughter and her husband and their two children, when I say children, they're teenagers, have all come over from Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. And that's nothing to do with me, apart from the fact there's a big family on holiday over there and they want to hang out with us because, well, you know, we all get on and say, so, oh, should we go for a beer? You have the pool. Yeah. Well, they've got a pool too. Should we watch football? Should we have a barbecue? Should we do that? Which is all fantastic. And, you know, you may know, Justin, it doesn't take an enormous amount to tempt me into a social event. Mm, I have heard. Before you know it there's a, there's a whole day gone and we've had the football going on if you're of a sort of european persuasion it's been very important and again i forget how much time used to be spent on these things back in the before times mhm definitely hey speaking of uh, family
0: events and uh, gatherings how did uh, pims and pizza go
1: well pims and pizza was um set up for the the football the football final which was between England and Italy, hence pims and Pizza. Uh, For new listeners, my wife is an Italian, but born in London. So pretty much a win-win game for her. This was the final of the European Championship that is played for every four years. It was being played at Wembley in London. So uh, England were certain that football was coming home, which is a line from a song that was written in 1996, I think. And of course, the, the the counterpoint to that was, or is football going to Rome? Ha, ha, you see what they did there. <laughs> so we had uh, a whole bunch of people over over at our house to have some some pims, which is very sort of it's a very English cocktaily sort of thing. You drink it at Wimbledon at the tennis, that sort of thing. Ah, lots of fruit in it, stro- strawberries and. That may be why I've never had it. Mm, yeah, it's posh people drink. It's easy enough, Justin. You just pick up the glass, and then just, just if you can just push your little pinky finger out as you're drinking it, just imagine you're having a cup of tea, that's, that's perfect. So we had a vat of that, I made a vat of that, which is great, because you just ladle it into glasses and give it to people, and they go, oh, fantastic. And then we had a whole load of pizzas delivered, which, you know, seemed to fit in with the Italian theme, and most importantly for me was, let's just do this very low hassle, because we're here to watch the game and enjoy each other's company and all that. Uh, so we did game was well it wasn't a classic England scored in the first couple of moments Uh, so all of our guests were England fans and so they were all very pleased and then slowly Italy came into the game and then they equalised and then it went to extra time and then it went penalty shootouts and at the end England still didn't win Mm -hmm. Um, Margaret and I were pleased most of our guests well weren't not so much yes there you are such is life
0: very nice. Very nice. And I think that goes into your tool of the week, doesn't it? Let's, let's quickly transition here.
1: Absolutely. Why not? Maths, or maths, as we say in the United Kingdom. What do you say in Canada? Are you maths or math? We're math. All ah, right, Okay. I, I would normally have strong feelings upon this, although I think, possibly for the first time ever, there may be more logic uh, on your side of the Atlantic than mine.
0: Yeah, I was just looking at maths written in our show notes and trying to work out, should there be an apostrophe in there if you're
1: actually concatenating that word? Anyway. Uh, yeah, well, yes, there should be, absolutely. But really, does it make any sense having the S at all? I'm not sure that it does. It's, it's a hard argument, but uh, I would say,
0: you know, unlike uh, some of the U's that I like to add in, uh, the, the S can go.
1: Mm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure it's ever going to work in my mouth. Math. Math. Now, anyway, before Pizza and Pims or Pims and Pizza, uh, Mrs. L was fretting about how many pizzas we should get. Should we get four? Should we get five? Should we get two garlic breads? And this was further aggravated by the fact that she had no real concept of the size of the pizza. So this, the pizzas here from this particular place were sized. So we had a diameter in centimeters and we had a number of slices. Per pizza. And <laughs> my wife being my wife, she she sort of fell into this rabbit hole of okay, is six mediums better than four large? Or maybe we should get four mediums and two small. Or maybe we get a large, two mediums and three small. And it was it was all sort of sending her into a a, a weird sort of meltdown. And so I got the notebook out and the pencil and I said, right we will work out the area per slice, per pizza. So I took the small, the medium, the large, took the diameter, from there worked out the radius, used math to work out the surface area of each slice, and could then say to her, this is the definitive answer to your problem, which was essentially thinking, what's everybody going to eat and add a bit? Well, I didn't say that. I used pie and things use pie on a pizza. Exactly. It just made me feel so nerdy to sit there with a calculator. (laughs) I I do
0: believe this is worthy of a picture of that and a blog post.
1: (laughs) Well, it it was, it was funny because, um, I'm sure when you were growing up, you had a scientific calculator. I mean, that was, that was the thing, wasn't it? We all had scientific (laughs) calculators and I've never gone away from, uh, the idea of having a sort of an actual calculator i know that my computer can do it but i want a little calculator they use in front of me but scientific ones are harder to get now so i have a desk calculator that doesn't do things like pi oh and and uh, (laughs) margaret was slightly flummoxed and then watched me multiply by 22 and divide by seven what are you doing oh
0: you did do the proper calculation for pi then good yeah (laughs)
1: <laughs> i said that's how you do pi
0: I, I was actually wondering how many decimal places you went to but uh you know <laughs> that that is only a couple of nerds would get that interested in the calculation for
1: pi exactly and i just as i was sitting there sort of writing down the last sort of i thought oh no how on earth has it come to this but anyway i enjoyed it immensely a bit of practical math what about you save me save me what, what's been your tool of the week
0: well i was actually going to discuss my. Um, my calculator too, because like you, I still carry one, but uh, I think that is a topic for a different discussion because oh, what the heck, uh, my tool of the week are professionals. We had some refuse, some rubbish, garbage, depending which side of the Atlantic you're on that we wanted to get rid of. I've got a pickup truck I drive, so I could have loaded these up, taken them to the dump, uh, spent in absolutely enormous amount of time doing it. You know, I've been in this house since 1999. So there's just things that as we're getting ready to move, we're throwing things out. We're wanting to get rid of things that, you know, maybe projects that we should have done that are just kind of abandoned at this point. Uh, But we hired a couple of professionals to come in. They bought a truck with a big bin. Uh, The bin, actually, they dropped it down in my driveway and loaded it. They just walked into it. It was so nice. They didn't have to lift anything. And they just cleaned up absolutely everything. Took everything around. The place is probably as clean as when I moved in in 1999. It's that nice. Uh, So really, really nice. It was expensive. But as Stu had once told me, sometimes throwing money at professionals is the best and most time relieving and stress relieving way to spend money. And boy, was this the way to do it? I was, I was just so impressed with their, their quality, their speed. And the fact that they were completely properly equipped to do the job. Mm. Whereas I would have been hacking at it and it would have taken 10 times as long. So yeah, if you need it, uh, look at professionals for things sometimes, especially when you're busy, that trade off between money and, Time is is not worth what you think it is. You know, everybody wants to look at the money as I don't want to do this, but uh, yeah, so it it it's a good thing.
1: Excellent! It sounds like a, a a perfect story. You didn't get a bunch of professionals that uh you know got it all wrong. It was all easy. I love the idea of this walk in <laughs> walk in bin. That sounds pretty cool. I get one of those
0: yeah it was uh surprising they were doing a few jobs so it was bigger than anything we could possibly need Mm. but it was still very very convenient but yeah it was the weirdest thing to see them pull up on the driveway and drop this big bin with the truck that raises up and Mm -hmm. it was like big boy toys (laughs) and you know me i like big boy toys
1: for sure for sure why not very cool
0: what's your pen and ink of the week Stu?
1: Uh, well, I, I was, uh, going through the drawer because I've got a few inked up now because the last few that I've filled up, I've been quite sort of big reservoir. So I've, I need to probably go and reflect somewhere, I do a little bit of writing, I think. But I, I got out an old favorite and I know this is one that you've, uh, you, you've got an attachment to as well. The brass Kaweko sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you love the concept and you probably hate the nib. Um, it's a pocket pen. It's, it's made of brass, surprisingly enough, and therefore weighs a ton in pen terms. What I love about it is that it's indestructible. I have driven over this particular one with an SUV twice, and uh, well, the SUV has come off worse on both occasions. Uh, there's absolutely Likely. no mark on this pen at all. It's a great, great pen. Um, and it takes a, a little uh, tiny cartridge, tiny international cartridge. Oh, sorry, tiny, short cartridge. Um, forest green is what I've got in at the moment. So green and brass, I think it kind of works together. Mm. What about you? What are you using? I went for
0: a, an inexpensive pen this week. I went for the Moonman M800 in a beautiful blue, we'll, we'll call it resin, but at this price, it's just uh, pretty plastic. It is, as the name may suggest an (laughs) M800. I don't know what that looks like. Oh, uh, what other M800s? Uh, Yeah, it's pretty much a knockoff with a cartridge converter. It is a blue pen. It has no markings over who made it at all. Uh, It's got gold furnishings on it. It comes with a fine nib, uh, but it is a Bach made two-tone nib. So the quality of the nib, uh, unlike other inexpensive, quickly made pens from abroad where you have a nib that has to be worked on or is kind of hit and miss. This one's actually really lovely. It is, as Bach, uh, a little thicker than perhaps my my ideal, but it just flows beautifully. It is a really, really nice pen. You know, I'm looking at that compared to some of the Leonardo Memento Zeros that I have, which are a very similar pen also, uh, loosely based off the M800 uh, from Pelican. Mm -hmm. But they are very, very similar. And you wouldn't tell that there's a four times price point. I think this was about 50, 60 bucks off eBay, just to give you a crazy idea of how inexpensive they are. Have you tried any of these uh, Chinese pens at all, Stu?
1: I haven't, no. When I got into, sort of re-got back into pens, um, I had a couple that I sort of dug out of my own collection of uh, they were sort of prestige pens, so I had some Mont Blanc lying around. So I immediately got into that sort of level. Um, and for a long time, I was very sniffy. Uh, you know, old Chinese, imitations, outrageous, um, which is utter nonsense. I mean, most of the, the things in the world are imitations of something else. I mean, it's just the nature of the things. How much can you do with a pen? <laughs> the time that I probably would have bought a load of Chinese pens was when I came to Cyprus, where it suddenly gets a little bit awkward, you know, that we can get deliveries here, but we're an island and we're in the Mediterranean. And it's a bit just things are a bit awkward, so I've never really tried. But everybody that I speak to, Urban is another one for for Chinese pens of Fountain Pen Companion. Uh, you know, he loves them, he, th- he thinks they're fantastic little things, and you seem to get on very well with yours.
0: It really is hit and miss. Uh, this one I had seen a friend of mine's at a pen club meet. You remember when we met in public? It was one of those. And I had looked at it and went, wow, the quality of that is amazing. So I took a look at it. I can't say I'm a fan of the Jin Hao. Uh, Wing Sung is another one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wing Sung is an ideal pen. They make a Twisby knockoff. So if you think Twisby, which is a knockoff of a Pelican, gets knocked off by another Chinese company for even less Uh, that they have it. But these pens are perfect to give away to somebody, fill it with ink, give it to somebody. Perhaps they'll use it, perhaps they'll not, but the cost is so cheap that you don't even care and they write just out of the box. Uh, So they're, they're quite nice for that. This one was a little bit more expensive in terms of a lot of the inexpensive Chinese pens that you can get. Mm -hmm. Um, There are many, many different kinds of them, but uh, their quality over the last number of years has really gone up from where you just kind of use them for nib tuning practice Uh, that is actually good practice if you ever are gonna get into or want to customize a nib you want to try grinding a nib uh, just buy a bunch of gin off Amazon for you know ten bucks and uh, go go to town on the nib and throw them away when you're done if you make a mistake they're they're good for that Um, but this is this one in particular is a really Nice pen. Now, I cheated because I have this on my desk, and it's the right color, and it's actually my favorite go-to ink. And after a few weeks of crazy inks, I wanted something just a little subdued, a little normal, uh, and I went for the Mont Blanc Midnight Blue. I know you're a Mont Blanc pen guy. Do you use mm-hmm. their inks at all?
1: Yeah. I mean, my, my fate, we, we can have a Mont Blanc Blue fight here. We, we really are going down into sort of the niche of the niche of the niche or the niche for any American uh, listeners. My favorite Mont Blanc Blue is JFK. Have you tried that? I have tried a
0: sample. I never got a bottle of it,
1: though. Uh, It's a lovely, rich ink. But, I mean, Mont Blanc Midnight Blue is pretty good. I'll give you that.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Uh, JFK, it was a lot more expensive because it was a limited edition. Sure. I would say dollar for dollar, the Mont Blanc, because they come in a larger bottle. The bottle's very nice for filling. I think they are one of the best values for money in ink out there, Uh, and they are also one of the best performing. They are not necessarily particularly exciting in terms of shimmer and shading and all of those things that go along with it, but in terms of an ink that just does exactly what it's supposed to do and looks beautiful on the page. I recommend Mont Blanc to anybody any day of the week. They're just fantastic. I, I always have cartridges with me that have uh, short internationals that have Mont Blanc's ink in them because, like in my Caveco that uh, Stu was talking about, they just really work well.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, they do make great ink. I would say we'll probably have to talk one day and put Mont Blanc against Hiroshizuku, which I think is another really good ink, um, and a lovely bottle. Um, because it is important the bottle. People, I think, overlook this, but this thing is going to be with you for quite a long time, particularly a Mont Blanc one. So um, it needs to be one that you feel comfortable having on a shelf, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, of course, we, if we're talking ink bottles, we have to ask about Ackerman.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, there's all sorts of weird and wacky
0: stuff there. <laughs> uh, been European. I assume you have a nice selection of those.
1: I don't, actually. I, I've never, ever used them. I've, I've looked at them from afar and gone wow, but never actually purchased any, partially because it's so easy to find yourself with literally litres of ink. And I mean, I'm just looking now um, over my glasses there, and I've probably got, I don't know, maybe only 15, 20 bottles, and I consider that quite excessive. You're going to turn around and say you've got 7,000 now, aren't you? Uh, We're not going to disclose the number in case it makes me look bad. (laughs) Dokey dokey.
0: No, I don't have that much. I, I mean, I. It's, it's quite funny. I have quite a few inks. Uh, part of my goal out of using the pen and ink of the week was to circo- cycle through both my inks and my pens mm. uh, by choosing something that matches. Uh, but they're, yes, I, I do have a substantial number, but uh, compared to a lot of people... I also have quite a few samples that have been given to me by uh, pen club members and people that I know that are also into the, the pen, the fountain pen game, which is a lovely way to try new inks before you invest in an entire bottle that you may never use. and It'll just sit there forever. Yep. Uh, but certainly looking at my number of boxes full of them and, and contemplating how do I move them and who's moving them and, oh, what if they break? Certainly is something to think about at
1: this point in my life.
0: <laughs>
1: well, having said that, I did just have another bottle sent to me um, by Claire from, from Nero's Notes. Some Lamy Crystal Ink. It's the the blue-black. So I don't have a blue-black.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Uh, and these are pretty, pretty cool bottles. I'm thinking the Lamy 2000 and this might, uh, might make very good bedfellows. Um, and I also got her to send me because Lamy is awkward with its cartridges. Um, and I now have a few Lamy pens. Ah, yes. I got it to send me the selection of, of cartridges. And of course, the joy of having a stationary shop is that I can just say, give me a box of all of them. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven colors here. Seven packs of five cartridges. And again, they're huge.
0: Yeah, that's are long cartridges.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of writing. But... Part of the appeal, I'm sure this is true for you, is that I've got sort of 10 identical boxes with, you know, that sort of stack neatly and have the the brand perfectly aligned. And then down the left-hand side is a little sort of color swatch for each one. It just appeals to the organizer in me. (laughs) Yes, yes, I get that.
0: Uh, My bottles of ink are all hidden away. So uh, they are, I just have on my desk uh, a color ring. Uh, which is uh, Anna, mm-hmm. uh, well-appointed stationery. Uh, she uh, makes a product called the Coloring, which is basically ink card samples. So when I get a new ink, I do a swab on that, organize them by color, and then I could spread those out in front of me and say, oh, this is the color that I want to use today.
1: this is a truly nerdy episode we're putting out here justin
0: yeah we sort of went deep on this one didn't we
1: (laughs) certainly have
0: how how about let's get back to a little bit of the productivity stuff shall we i think we should all right so a couple weeks ago we talked about sabbaticals and we broke our topic apart uh, to talk about personal retreats and reflections as a separate topic well the time is now we're going to talk about them I'm going to explain a little bit about what I mean with a personal retreat. It's easy to get caught up in the hustle of work. How do you take the time to stop and evaluate your progress, make sure that you're on the right trajectory, not just in work, but in life in general? You know, are you spending enough time in all of your different boxes? When I was thinking about this topic, I think Stephen Covey wrote it in the Seven Habits book that we spend so much time climbing the ladder of success only to realize that you're climbing up the wrong wall. <laughs> and that kind of hit me in terms of, do you stop and look around and say, what are you doing? You know, certainly in my own life, I've kind of moved ladders several times uh, from this wall to this wall and started climbing again. And I was sort of curious, how do we, what what process? A formal process, an informal process do we have for us to stop looking at the next rung on the ladder and take a bigger picture of where we are and what wall are we climbing and how are we balancing our lives? Uh, So, Stu, do you do any sort of regular review and reflection that you do as a formal process, either as a retreat or just something at home or at work even?
1: Yeah, I mean I think I've always done a formal review of the year. Not as a retreat. I think a retreat is a fantastic luxury if you can if you can achieve it. I've never yet managed one, although I, I am tempted by one. And as I think or as I speak, I think of I probably find other ways to do my retreat. So, my, my walking holidays are probably a retreat um, in, mm-hmm. in many ways. Definitely. Where, you know, the monotony of walking uh, gives your mind plenty of space to go wandering off. And it, it tends to wander off where, where it needs to go. I think I'm, I'm a great believer in your subconscious knows what it's doing. <laughs> Just sort of let it do its thing, and it will report back what you need to hear. So, I've never done a retreat where I've got away and said, "Okay, I'm going to review these areas of my life and work out what I'm doing well, what I'm not doing so well, what I can do better. Am I, as you say, on you know on the right ladder against the right wall?" And I really would enjoy, I think, making time to do that, as I have done several courses i'm sure everybody listening has or or you know gone through thought processes or you know setting goals and what do i want to achieve next year even you know formal reviews at work and can be a bit like that and i've always done that but i think the power of this type of contemplation is when you take it a little bit beyond just the simple sort of Work. We tend to focus on work all the time. Work, 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 okay. um, and that's the the world that we live in.
0: Well, there's there's a lot
1: more to us than work, and you know what you're doing in your time when you're not working is equally important. I think, and I would really relish the chance to sort of take a few days away from everything uh, and have a think about all that. What about you? Have you, have you done a formal retreat as well?
0: No, it was on my list as a action plan last year, surprisingly enough. And we all know how that went Mm. because I didn't go anywhere. One of the things I realized is uh, I, and I've got to say my family's fantastic. If I say I'm going to do a retreat day, it is a retreat day. But in a retreat day, you go to the fridge to get a glass of water. And all of a sudden I'm back in the middle of the house again, Mm -hmm. the dogs there, the bunnies are there wanting some attention. You know, my wife is doing her stuff around the house as well. And I was listening to Mike Schmitz, David Sparks uh, were talking about this some time ago. And I had realized that the one thing I don't necessarily do is as good a job as I can I sit down and I treat it as a task. I do a review as a task, Mm -hmm. which is I'm going to sit down. I'm going to block off, you know, when you're at home, really I'm blocking off four hours or so, and I'm hitting it as a task here. Let me look at this. Let me check off this. Let me check off that I've completed this part of the action. And I'm not sure that I, I get that space as you were talking about your walking vacations exactly what i what i'm kind of trying to bring into my life is a separation from the day to day to let my subconscious really think about things more than just i'm trying to remember it as i'm going right now here's what i'm trying to do yeah and i think the context shift you know we've talked about context shifting before i think a context shift is extremely important in that now, I, I realize we're coming from sort of a place of privilege to say that if you can afford it, perhaps a change of scenery would be a good way to do that. Even if it is just going and sitting in a coffee shop or a restaurant or a diner or a chippy, if you're back in England, <laughs> diner is very American. But the, the idea that somehow to change your context, I think you're going to get a deeper level of introspection and more content that you can review that is helpful in surveying where you are,
1: what you want to do, and where you want to go. Yeah, and I think um, nature is really helpful in this. If you can find, you know, just take a walk in a park. For some reason, I don't know what it is, I'm sure there's science behind it, but being in nature, I think encourages you to think more broadly, to open up your mind a little bit more. So rather than you know that next rung of the ladder, um, as Justin said, that you're you're thinking about at work, thinking more about okay, where's the ladder lead to? You know, are you planning on becoming CEO of this company? Are you planning on getting to the top of your department in this company? Do you see this company as a stepping stone to your next job? You know, those types of questions. Certainly, I know for my 20s, 30s, and heavens, even my 40s, I I maybe, no, I definitely didn't think enough about the longer term. Mm -hmm. I was very short-sighted.
0: I think uh, we can both agree on that. At a certain point, you look back and go, I would have done things perhaps a little differently had I really had a plan. One thing that I do suggest people do is keep a better track of your victories throughout your review period what i think is really really important is to look back and see what you've accomplished and I, i'm going to suggest that if you're going to go and make a retreat of some kind and we'll kind of get into how what kind of retreats would be good but mike Schmidt lists three questions i've heard him talk about them several times and they are what went well what should I keep doing and what should I stop doing? And I think maybe they're a little simple for a full retreat and a full planning session. But I think the essence of those is what you're really trying to get out of a retreat. And largely if I'm looking at myself, trying to figure out what am I doing? Am I doing the right thing? They are three very, very good questions.
1: I'm assuming you've seen these two. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard Mike talking about them. Um, I think the questions in many ways are less important than the process of asking yourself something and i agree those are those are really good ones because they're very pragmatic and they're very straightforward there is something to be said okay what does perfection look like mm-hmm. you know where do i want to be in whatever that period might be the 5 years 10 years 20 years and that's a useful exercise on its own But the key for me of any of these things is to get yourself back to what you're going to do at the end of the retreat. So if if the goal is five years, I'm going to be CEO of IBM, then fine. How is it that you're going to get there? What's that going to look like in one year or one month or one week or one day or tomorrow? Mm -hmm. So So that you can actually really feel that you have agency in making that happen. And as you say, the, we learn from looking back to looking at what's happened and going, well, okay, so I, I haven't become the CEO of IBM yet. But what I have done that's been good is this, this, that, this, this, this. And look back and as you say, celebrate those successes. Because, you know, very often the corporate world that we live in, people don't celebrate your success. They expect success. <laughs> and you might get a sort of, well done. Whereas, you know, you deserve to give yourself a pat on the back. You deserve to say, okay, that went really, really well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I harness that energy, those things that I'm really good at for the next task or, you know, the next cycle, whatever it might be. So, yeah, I think, I think that's a good way to, to start. I mean, the way that I have been doing it without ever calling it a retreat, the in-between days, uh, I call them. So there's that weird time after Christmas but before the new year. Yes. So those last few days in December, where sure, I understand that some people have to work. I mean, I've been in jobs that I've had to work, but there's a kind of sort of deadness to it. A lot of people are on vacation. Everybody is sort of kicking back. If you're in the Northern hemisphere, it's usually pretty cold, wet if you're in England. And I use that time to sort of sit at my desk and say okay I don't actually have any work on at the moment what is it that I what, what is it that I want to achieve next year okay well how, let's start with how this year went and I went I go through not those exact questions but similar so I look at okay what went well what didn't go well where did I make mistakes what can I learn what do I want to achieve next year that's the sort of process that I go through the line of questions so I get to the point and I break my life into areas which is easier for me because I have multiple different things there's that word you use a multi-potentialite so I have my consultancy company and I'll look at that and say what do I want to achieve with that I have the notebook company what do I want to achieve with that I have my, my sporting career, which is not a career at all, but my, my sporting activities, you know, what do I want to do? Do I want to play more golf, less golf? Do I want to play more golf for fun? Do I want to play more competitive golf? Do I want to play golf in different places? All of those questions that I ask. And all the way through to my personal life, my spiritual life, my family life, you know, what things do I think went really well? What things would I like to do more of? And also, as you say, what things would I like to stop doing? That's a really important question.
0: It certainly is. Yeah. That's
1: interesting. So your, your process, how long does it normally take you? Well, as I've got a bit older, longer, I start setting this up in early December. Mm -hmm. Um, Me being me, I will assign a notebook (laughs) to the the problem. And I, I start looking at what things I want to examine. So I'll build the areas out. Now that Pretty much done now. They don't change very much, as I've just sort of said. You know, there's the consultancy company which is called Lime. There's Nero's, uh, the stationery company, and, and pretty soon I've got sort of some categories, and then I'll just gently add some little notes, sort of thoughts to those pages. I'll make a page for each one, and start preparing, getting getting my subconscious working on this, and then usually the day after Boxing, depending on how the holidays have, have worked out, the the sort of first day, which is a nothingy day. Um, I will I will slink off to my office uh, because by then the the wife and the family have seen way too much of me already. They don't want to see any more of me. So I can go and hermit away a little bit and I can uh, just get the pen out and start writing notes and start thinking and start just pulling together ideas. And that might take me now, maybe I'll do two days on that, four or five hours in each the second day is very much like the day that you described. It becomes a bit of a task um, where I'm ticking off boxes and I'm, I'm trying to get to the end. Oh. Um, but the first day is where I sort of open up a bit and just think a little while and go, well, do I want to be a consultant anymore do I want to do that? What about the stationary company? Should I, should I, should I get out of that? Should I keep going? Should I try and build it? Should I try and keep it going? Should I try and sell it? You know, all of the options. I think what's important is to open up the, the discussion. I appreciate I'm on my own, but open it up and allow every possibility because you shouldn't, shouldn't preclude anything.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, and I think that's a really good thing is to have a couple of days for it. And that has been the one challenge I have is making that time and that space for me to do that deep thinking. As I say, when I sit down, it becomes much more of a "Here's something that I need to get through, and because I've got this commitment at this time and this commitment to this time and that's not the best way to do it. I really think listening to discussions over retreats over the last number of years, particularly, that I'm missing something in in my life and I had uh, talked to my wife at the beginning of twenty twenty and said, okay, honey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get myself a hotel room, a local hotel room, you know, maybe an hour or so away from the house. I'm going to go away for the weekend, not make a big deal out of it, but I'm going to go away for, you know, one to two nights. And I'm just going to do some work on myself, really figure out, am I doing what I'm comfortable doing? What exactly all the questions that you had said, where, where do we want to go? What are we doing well? What do we want to keep doing? What are we going to stop doing? How do I want to make sure that all of the areas in my life, uh, not just the the jobby job and the hobby jobs, but but also am I putting enough attention into my family life? Am I looking after the dog? Am I looking after, you know, the other animals that I've got, do I make time for recreation? And uh, as as evidenced by my comment earlier today, The reopening has uh, sort of got me thinking about this yet again. And and of course, you know, there's an extraneous circumstance on this in the fact that I'm planning to move out of this house that I've been in for 20, 22 years at this point. That does create a little bit of stress and a lot of extra work. But certainly, I I think this is a process that I want to get into. I'm looking at the world opening up and going, you know, I, I think the idea of me having a formal retreat process is going to be of value. I'm not sure what that's going to be yet. Unlikely until we're in the new house, something that I'm going to have the spare time, energy, and capacity to do at a quality level. And even when I'm in it, it may be sort of Christmas before I Look at what this next process is going to be. Other than you know, an hour or two here, an hour or two there, as as a bit of a checklist, am I at least keeping all of my spinning plates juggling? Uh, you know, are they still spinning at the moment uh, to mm-hmm, not mix with as before? But it really does uh, sound like something that is missing in my life. Do you do? You said you do your review at the end of the year. Do you do anything quarterly to follow up, or is it just a once a year? And um, what kind of time frame do you look at when you do your reviews, too?
1: I, I faithfully promise to look at things quarterly and uh, never, ever do it. <laughs>
0: Sounds like the job review at work. Uh, yes,
1: we'll do it quarterly, and you never do until November. For sure. And, you know, I I have the uh, similar systems to you in that I have, you know, daily little focus meetings with myself, you know, to use the, the modern parlance. I have a huddle. Just me in the huddle saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do today. And I write it on an index card in our case.
0: Stu, I don't think we
1: should talk about your daily huddles with yourself. <laughs> no, 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 there's no need for that sort of talk. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, I do that. I, um, I, I'd say probably I do it more by need. So, uh, you know, events may occur, something might happen, you know, moving house is a huge one where where you just think okay this is time to take stock this is time to just have a look at, at where i am and that might be in all sorts of contexts that might be where i am this year or it might be you know where i am in life and I, I wrote in the show note that i have a sort of mini retreat each morning when i when i go and take the dogs out for a walk um and and you'll see there's this this recurring theme with me is that is the walking i think the walking makes a huge difference to me but now i don't do anything quarterly I don't do anything five yearly. It, it tends to have stuck on the calendar for me. Okay. Um, and I, I, have used a variety of tools, but I, I keep going back to the ones and I know I say it every show, but, um, from Sean Blanc. So his, uh, he's got a yearly review template, which I recommend. Uh, it's really, really good. Hmm. Uh, do you have a link to that? Maybe we can put it in the show notes. Uh, I don't. But I'm sure I can find it. <laughs> so by the time this goes out, yes, we will have it. We will try to find a link for it. Uh, just because I I haven't
0: seen that uh, that content either, so I'd be curious.
1: Well, um, I'm. It's uh the the best way of doing, or well, the snazziest way of doing it is, is he produces um an editable PDF that you put on your to your iPad and get your Apple Pencil. Oh yes, all the high tech stuff. Oh. I'm just I'm just making sure that I've got a note. Right. So, what about you? Do you do anything quarterly, or like like the rest of us, you just promise to and never quite manage?
0: Um, I do track some stats quarterly. Okay. So that is perhaps uh, my one condescension to my I wouldn't say failed, but um, less failed quarterly review. The problem for me is always time. And uh, you know, if I'm if I'm at home between jobby job and hobby job, I'm usually working seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's there's not a lot of space in my current schedule to allow for the time that I think I need for a full reflection on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got sort of my my quarterly goals, uh, and those tend to be hobby-job-related. You know, here's here's what I want to do in number of posts, number of projects that I have going, number of uh, podcast episodes that I'll put in, things like that. Uh, yearly does tend to focus a little bit more on the jobby-job and career and uh, family Actually, I do also look at my family a little bit, uh, in the quarter as well, you know, make sure am I spending enough time with the family? Because, uh, as I said before, you know, I do have to schedule my, my time to make sure that I have date night with my wife. You know, one of the, Mm -hmm. one of the very nice things that came out of quarantine was we went back to playing board games together. Queen's Gambit on Netflix, Mm -hmm. uh, got my wife interested in chess. So We quite often will play chess at the end of the night for, you know, a few minutes here and there. And I I look at that and I look at how valuable those are from a relationship side. Sure. And I need to make sure that I budget time because it's easy. Like this week where I was tied up, it's Thursday morning. I really haven't had any social time with the family this week. It's been. We've eaten together and then I've been working in the evening, getting stuff out. And hi, bye, you know, as we walk past in the hallway. And, and that's not really a place that I, I feel comfortable. And that's part of why I'm feeling a little stressed out this week already, a little cluttered in my schedule. And, and these are things that I think uh, I do want to address, uh, especially, you know, coming out of our. Quarantine and what life's going to look like. And I think we're going to talk about more of that in our next episode. But um, yeah, this is something that I think there is a time value that I'm going to get out of putting into a retreat. And I think, you know, once things are well, uh, officially here, we're back to normal. Everything's open. Masks are, well, let's call them optional at best. Uh, I would call them scarce, uh, which is somewhat scary in itself. Uh, especially with the other variants around. But, you know, it is what it is. People have had enough. They're out and about. They're busier than ever. Um, I just look at it for myself and say, you know, this is something that, as I'm getting busier, has more and more traction for me to really take some time. And I think this is the point of the retreat, is take the time out just to gaze at my navel for <laughs> a couple of days. And And that's something that I am lacking, and that I feel that I'm lacking, and that I feel I'm not doing a great job of at the moment. Mm-hmm. But you know, this year been what it is. You still have to be a little soft with yourself and not hold yourself to a stand that just wasn't practical.
1: Yeah, and I think um you're absolutely right. A, a lot of this feeds into to next week, but we do have to be kind to ourselves that there really is no point in beating ourselves up. The way that we have set society up, and when I say we, I'm using a big sort of capital W collective we, is that we, we feel that we have to be producing, whether that be at work or sometimes, you know, listen to you and listen to me going, well, okay, I have to schedule time to be with my family. And it feels like a an obligation, whereas actually it's probably the greatest thing that we can ever do. And it's it's a pleasure and it's a joy. Mm-hmm. And we might just be scheduling, actually, I'm not gonna do nothing. And that's so important, is just to schedule to do nothing. And as you say, you am gonna play chess. Okay, let's play chess. Mm-hmm. You wanna go for a walk? Let's go for a walk. You wanna have a glass of wine? Let's have a glass of wine. But you know, be present and do it with all your heart and you know, all of those things. That's what for me, at least, COVID has taught is those those moments are so important. And for me to be thinking about, oh yeah, well tomorrow I've got to do a podcast with TJ, and then there's Justin, and and to just not be present is crazy. It's just madness. And that's like I say, we'll talk about it next week. You, it, you've used a brilliant word in your. in your description of topic, where you said um, life, and I'm going to use a word called margin, and we're going to compare those two and add them together. But uh, I think it's so important that we we acknowledge that these have been really, really strange times, but that they have actually given us a great opportunity to learn stuff.
0: Mm. Very good. Very good. I was actually just thinking about what you said about scheduling time to be with my family. And I'm going to throw it out because this is the way I think about it and perhaps I didn't do a good job of communicating it. I don't look at scheduling time as a commitment to be with my family. I look at that as scheduling that time to protect my family.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it it's important, but it's you know, for you, for me, for everyone, it's so easy to look at all of these things Particularly if you've got a productivity mindset, as as things to be to be ticked off, and you get to the end of the week and go, "Yep, yep, I had, I had dinner with the kids." This is true. This is true. That's not quite what we're trying to get to, but uh, it's you know it's no bad thing either necessarily.
0: Yeah, if you if you look at your family commitments and your exercise commitments and all the rest of that as things that you want to protect and schedule your other blocks around that. I would suggest that life is the outside of the hobby job and jobby job commitments is what you schedule first. And then you come in and schedule the things that you need to do. And then the things that you want to do around those as well. And hopefully you have some time left to sleep, Uh, but that's (laughs) a whole different story. Uh, Sleep is optional. Yeah. I was actually laughing when Stu was talking about time to reflect with a dog well, he's taking his dogs for a walk and uh your dogs obviously walk a lot better than mine <laughs> i was we, we take coco out and uh, it's it's only a 15 20 minute walk she's a little dog she's a princess she doesn't really like to walk um she's has to be in the mood is i think a best way to put that and the other night i was out and we got about halfway around our little loop that we do and she just stopped and I had to carry her home. So here's here's me with a 16 pound dog. People driving past are just looking at me like, why is this idiot carrying his dog? Yes, that is the dog that I have. Uh so any opportunity to let my mind wander is usually an argument between me and my dog <laughs> of please walk. I don't want to carry you. Just walk. Just walk. No, leave that alone. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh look, there's people. I know there's people. She's got the neighborhood trained. We were out the other night and we actually have people stop their cars and get out to say hi to her, which she loves because she's a people puppy, but oh my gosh, I I don't get any time to let my mind wander when I'm out with the dog. So uh, if you want to train, change dogs at any point, Stu, uh,
1: I'll even take the burry one. (laughs) The terrorist. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think. I, I know what you're saying because sometimes um, I have a um, I have two dogs. the The burry one is the Jack Russell. Um, he is um, he's the Special Forces dog. Just does everything, and then the princess or my princess is a a Shih Tzu Poodle cross. Maybe <laughs> there could be all sorts of stuff in there, um, but she's very similar. So it's really really hot here at the moment. And uh as a consequence, I get up really early to take the dogs out before it gets too hot. I don't want them to burn their paws and, and all that stuff. But she is in summer mode, so she, her velocity is decreased by about 50%. <laughs> her, her stamina is almost non-existent and she'll literally look at me and go, nah, I'm kind of done here. Thanks for the effort, but five minutes is fine. The, the Jack Russell and the other hand is trying to pull my shoulder out of its socket so it can Get along the path to to get the next sniff of whatever he's sniffing. So uh, we, we have to reach a sort of family compromise uh, during the summer. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, is yours related to mine? It sounds like it. <laughs> Maybe it's a breed thing. Right. Back on topic. What are what are our takeaways for today, Justin? You know, uh, I'm going to
0: actually take your takeaway or your comment that you made uh, in your when you were talking a few minutes ago. Be kind to yourself. You know, we we look at what we should do and what we need to do, and we get those confused. This is a strange time. Just be kind to yourself. I'm looking at this and realizing I don't do a good job of retreats. I don't do a great job of future planning because it is a task. I want to get there, but right now I need to be kind to myself to say, this is a goal to get to. It's aspirational, not something I need to put in the calendar and just schedule. Because it's not as simple as that. You really want to find your margin, be kind to yourself, and just enjoy the process. Absolutely. And thank you, Stu, for that.
1: You're very welcome. Oh, my takeaway is equally profound in a much poppier way. So I wrote, this life is more than just a read-through which is a, a lyric from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, no less. Um, who, for, for, for younger listeners, that you've got no idea who they are. Um, <laughs> 20 years ago, I think. Probably 20 years ago, this album was released. 20? I'm going to guess. Yeah, I think it was 2002, I think. Okay, this is one of their later albums. So. Yeah, a song called um, Can't Stop by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. This life is more than just a read-through. We're here to make the most of it, to, to to squeeze every last drop of joy from life. And if there is one thing for which we are responsible in our lives, it's to make sure that those lives are as big and as full as we can make them. And what Justin has said about making sure that your ladder is against the wall is so important. Okay, Nobody on their deathbed says I wish I'd stayed late at the office a little bit more often. Mm -hmm. They don't say that. So there has to be a part of us that says, okay, what do I really want to achieve? Do I want to walk the Camino de Santiago? Do I want to go and see Paris? Do I want to go and tour around Italy? Do I want to work in a fire station? Whatever those things are, then we should really consider how to make those happen and whether we can make them happen. Because we're very resourceful beings, humans. Very often people achieve the things that they dream of achieving. But you have to give yourself the time to work it out and to think about it. Wow, that was really deep, Stu. I'm a philosopher poet.
0: Uh, You certainly are today. Uh, Great, great point, definitely. I I love the quote, life is more than just a read-through. That really hits home.
1: Where can people find you on the internet, Stu? Oh, uh, well, you can find me at stuartlennon.com or at nerosnotes.co.uk. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? You can find me
0: justintwyford.com. If you can't spell that, go to stationeryadjacent.com and click on the link to my name. Uh, write Experiences where I write uh, about stationery, and you can see the pen and ink of the week post that I'm doing there. Please like and review us in your podcast catcher of choice. We certainly appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues that you think may get some value out of our podcast. Our next topic, we're going to try not to talk about dogs, but you never know. I'll probably be sitting with one on my lap again. Our next topic is going to be a discussion about finding balance, uh, coping with overload, and how to add life back into your busier schedule this year. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.